Welcome to the You May Be Right Podcast, part of Elite Sports Radio, the place where New York Yankees and Boston Red Sox fans can't stand one another. Or maybe they can. JB and Paulie D. Uh, Hello. Uh, Paulie D, uh, it is opening day, but uh, we are not going to talk about some baseball first, are we? No, we're not. Oh, uh, what, what time is it? It's that time of the year again for the first time in a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Game of Thrones. Woo! Give me that theme. Love it. Uh, Sean Bean will not be appearing on the podcast and subsequently dying, just so sorry to disappoint everybody i mean we were thinking of doing it but it would have been too typical for sean bean and airfare is expensive as well absolutely we can't and quite frankly we can't afford them uh you and i are not typical game of thrones fans because a lot of people they're all about the show but you are one of the few people i know who has also read all five of george r, r. martin's epic tomes oh i'm loving the books the books are my favorite actually yeah the, the books in a lot are, of ways yeah the books are 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 there like the new gold standard for fantasy like like move over move over jr or tolkien the world i wouldn't i i'm not sure that i'm gonna go so i gotta see the ending before i say move over jrr but what i will say is that it's by far the most engrossing world and once you're in it and you're reading it you don't want to leave they just really it, grab it's you. really true and like oh. and like the timing of this is is weird for me because, uh, you know, I'm a huge pro wrestling fan. Last weekend was WrestleMania weekend. Right, big weekend. I, I told uh, my poor wife, Caitlin, uh, yeah, so starting on Friday up through up through the following Tuesday, you are not going to see me, except for a few hours during the day. I mean, that's what happens. Yeah. Uh, so I figure, okay, wrestling, it's an exhausting weekend. It starts, it's Friday through Tuesday. It's like the, it's like President's Weekend. Right. Um, but for professional wrestling. And I think, all right, I'll, I'll have a week off uh, or a few days off just to chill out, re- recharge my batteries, recharge my batteries and reset. Nope, Sunday Game of Thrones is back in the epic final conclusion. I mean, I can't wait. Uh, I'm super duper excited. There's lots of fun stuff coming our way this season. We got the battle for the North. We got Cersei's pregnant. John and Danny were caught in flagrante delicto on closed circuit Brandivision. We've got real dragons. We've got ice dragons. The gold, the golden company we've got who is paid for with golden dragons. We got lots of stuff, and it's it, really is exciting. Is Cersei pregnant? Cersei. We think Cersei's pregnant because Tyrion goes and has the sit with Cersei late in season seven. Gets a bad case of uncle feels, and you get start start to doubt that Tyrion can really take up arms against House Lannister. So, you know, that's kind of where sit things sit. See, you, you've got some predictions, and, and these aren't necessarily spoilers. No, they're... But... I don't think they are, but if you ha- if you're not caught up on the show, there are. I mean, I think you, you might want to fast forward about three minutes at this point. Right there's there's going to be some spoiler ish things, spoiler adjacent things. All right, uh, you got five of them. Uh, I do. Yeah. So the first one, Danny doesn't make it out alive. Nope. Uh, you want to give give us like two sentences on on your justification for that? So if we're gonna end up Westeros better than where we left it. We're not going to restart Westerosi history with another egg on uh, with another egg on the conqueror. That's what we're not going to do. Okay. So she's got to go, and I'll tell you what: 
her dragons have got to go. Even the ice dragon. They've all got to die. All right. Uh, you also say John, my, my main man, Jon Snow, Be- claiming the Iron Throne with Sansa as his queen. The bastard of Winterfell. It is true. John is going to claim the Iron Throne. He's the uh, he's Rhaegar. You know, he's Rhaegar and Lyanna's, Lyanna's son. He's the last, except for Danny, living Targaryen. And by the end of the show, I think he will be the last living Targaryen. He's going to claim the throne. He's going to he's going to marry Sansa. Sansa's going to be his queen. So he's they, not marrying Sansa. San- they, Sansa's he's going to give. Sands of the North, and she's going to be uh, the warden of the There's North, your song. Wardress. Of, there's your song of ice and fire, John and Sansa. That's what I'm saying. That's my prediction. It might be wrong. I, You know, you could be right. Uh, well, hold, you hold, you hold on, right. hold on, hold on. Here's another thing you have. King's Landing explodes. How does Jon Snow claim the Iron Throne of King's Landing explodes? Well, I mean, you... you Metaphorically speaking, he, he claims the Iron Throne. Okay. He, he claims the kingship of, of Westeros. I'm going to tag in here because I've got some predictions as well. Let I, me hear. I don't know who's taking. I don't know who's taking the Iron Throne. Is it Daenerys? Is it Jon Snow? Is it the Hound who just comes through and obliterates everybody? I mean, we got to have Clegane Bowl, don't we? We got to. We got to have the Clegane Bowl. We got to have Sandor <laughs> and Zombie <laughs> Sir Gregor fight. I swear to God, guys, we love base. We love baseball too. We're getting to that in a second. We're just gonna we're gonna put a pin in this real fast. Uh, you say Cersei's dying. Well, yeah, duh. But here's how I think it's going to happen. I think that Cersei is going to kill Jaime, who, with his last dying breath, will kill her and also become the Queen Slayer. That's a good one. That's yeah. that's a real good and it's, and and look smart a lot of smart money is on Jamie killing Cersei. Jamie's the a lot of people are saying that Jamie's the Valonqar. Remember the Valonqar yep. prophecy? Yep. That means that the little brother who's going to wrap his hands around Cersei's throat. Is he, young, is he younger from a minute standpoint? He is from a minute okay. standpoint. Jamie is the younger brother. My point is though, from the Valonqar standpoint, Jamie's not specific enough. He needs help. It says the Valonqar, not a Valonqar. Cersei has two younger brothers, Tyrion and Jamie, and if they're both. Live at the end, either or cannot be referred to as the little brother. They're both a little brother. It's a technicality, but I think it might work here. We got to start a Game of Thrones podcast, I, now, don't we? I love Game of Thrones. Big, I'm a, I'm a BTGOTG. I'm a big time Game of Thrones guy. <laughs> uh, last thing I'll say on this I think Jon Snow is also taking the Iron Throne, but Daenerys is going to be his queen because, hey, Targaryen's inbred for years, and at least this one isn't, isn't brother and sister Mary. Right, right. It's, it's a little further to be merely distasteful rather than out-and-out disgusting. All right, so that said, we got a lot of baseball to talk, folks. Uh, we're going to start with a Yankees uh, opening opening couple of weeks. Uh, let me get the timer set. They look good by, by comparison. <laughs> the socks, at least. Jeez. Oh, good heavens. All right, so here we go, folks. We're going to set an eight-minute timer talking about the Yankees because otherwise I will take up the entire hour on this. Right. Uh, okay, so as we're recording this, the Yankees are sitting 5-7, and seven, uh, having just been swept by the Houston Astros, which we'll get to in a second. Not surprising. Uh, my take, um, the team has shown more fight and losses this season than they did a lot of last year. Because a lot of times last year, the Yankees, they, they fell down, fell behind early, and then they kind of just slept walk through the entire game. That's not the case this year. And here's what I'm going to say on it. There's nothing you can do about injuries. Severino's out. Miguel Andujar's out. Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Hicks, uh, uh, Troy Tulowitzki. You named all those guys. I'm not panicking about the slow start by any means. Right. But I'm beyond frustrated. It's as though this team is incapable of doing anything besides hitting home runs and striking out. Because you said it yourself. You cannot control injuries. You cannot predict them. 
But you can coach a team to not fall down and die just because you're short some key pieces. No, it's true, but it does keep you in. I think it does take you out of your game plan and out of what you want to do to execute. And I think, and I think guys start start trying to feel like you know they have to be the one to step up and be the star. And that's when guys guys start pressing and maybe. Uh, well, it, no, 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 it's it's not even that though. It's like what like we saw with Judge last year. The offense went to zombie mode. Now, at the same time with this one, Judge is there. He's the heart and soul of the team. He right. is the leader in, in the clubhouse. Right. What is? Why is it so hard for a team with so many talented overall hitters in this lineup? What's so hard about lining a single somewhere? No, I know it's. I I I, I do think it's approach. Like, I think and, and, I, and the mini comeback yesterday, even though we lost to the Astros. There was great situational hitting in that game. But I think injuries take you out of your game plan. You come into the season with a game plan. Here's who's starting. Here's who's in the starting nine. And once that gets re- that gets really shaken up, and, and JB, it's been really shaken up. I mean, there's there's at least 12 guys on on the uh, on the injured list. Not all of them are major major pieces, but you know. That lineup and that pitching staff been been pretty thrown, you know, thrown for a loop here. Once that all gets shaken up, I think guys trying to step into the breach start to do too much, and they're not thinking single to the opposite field. They're thinking home run. But there's no such thing as a five run home run. You know, it's it, it's it's about the game plan. It's about your approach, and that and what you're saying is, I hear what you're saying is just fall back on whatever your approach is and execute that because the Yankees when they're on, have a great approach to the game. But they're not doing that right now, and I think one of the reasons they're not doing that right now is because they're missing so many pieces. Yeah, but at the same time, baseball is a game of adjustments. Right. You, like, you know that Stanton, who's your big banger besides Judge, Gary Sanchez, and the like, Right. you know for a fact that like losing him is a big loss, but that means that you're not going to have that home run power. You've got to rely on getting on base. And and you're not wrong, but you know, baseball is also a game played by human beings. And I think that's part of what you're seeing, especially, especially going into play the Astros. There's, it's supposed to be a big se- big series. It's early in the season. You want to make a statement and sometimes you want to do it so bad that you end up kind of maybe doing too much. I mean, I'll, I'll say this much. I think that, I would rather have have um, getting swept by Houston happen early in the year. Absolutely, compared compared to later on. Absolutely, it, you don't want this I, in August. I, I just finished reading uh, the great book by Bob Clappish and Paul Solitaroff, uh, Inside the Empire, just how uh, the Yankees front office works. And in describing Minute Maid Park, it it sounds like an absolute madhouse. It's loud. Everyone there, right. it, it's like playing in a dome, even with the roofs open. And apparently, there's a there's a lingering smell of cigarette smoke. Not surprised because apparently, Minute Maid Park is one of the few remaining ballparks. It might be the only one that still has a smoking section. I mean, look, everything's bigger in Texas, even the smoking habits. Apparently. Yeah, and uh, one thing that uh, is not bigger in Texas is the amount of Yankees that are on the injured list. <laughs> right, right. right. Uh, we're gonna marathon down this real fast. Luis Severino. I mean, this is the one that's kind of hurting the most. I feel because right. no disrespect to James Paxton. He hasn't earned uh, enough ace points in New York yet. And he hasn't done the job. Severino, though, he's going to be out now until June, it looks like, because he um, during he was doing fine with his throwing program, throwing from about 120 feet. But now uh, he had an MRI in New York this week, uh, diagnosed with a grade 2 lat strain. Uh, that means he's going to be out until maybe June right now. He's not throwing for another six weeks. And it's frustrating, but I'd rather be conservative with an arm as young as dominant as him. He's very much a fastball slider guy, 
And if he's going to be out there putting his arm in jeopardy, he's not of any use to us. I couldn't agree more. And I I grade the Severino's loss as potentially season killing if they do it wrong. If he if he ends up somehow out for the season, I mean, you're talking not really. I don't think being able to realistically compete for a title you could be talking not maybe not missing the playoffs but not really getting all that deep I think he's that much of an important piece to the Yankees pitch I I do I believe he's you need him and you need him to be at least serviceable if not an ace in the postseason but or at a minimum you can contend for a title but you better hope that everybody's firing on all cylinders at the right time right and you you need a lot uh, you need Everything to go right. There, and, there's little to no margin for error. And right now they're not. James Paxton isn't really doing the job. The best guy, and you called it, JB, is Tanaka. He looks great. He does. He looks as good as advertised. But, I mean, look, I said last time out that, that they can totally weather Severino's loss, and I still believe it. But if you keep allowing setbacks, you're not going to be able to. And for the love of God, Yanks, if you value this kid's career, bring him along slowly and do whatever you have to do to make sure that he doesn't suffer the kinds of setbacks that could really keep him out till August or September, even for the playoffs. I mean, what he's doing right now is he's not going to throw for six weeks. Right. I mean, he's shut down for six weeks, so there's there's little that can there's little setbacks that can happen when that's the plan. Right. Right. So and thankfully and thankfully there was no uh, no tear in his shoulder per the MRI. Minimize your risk. That's yeah. all. He's... Speaking of tears, I mean, let's Oof. talk about Miguel Andujar. I mean, I think this one's a gut punch, and it's not because he's so integral to the team, although he does complete the heck out of that lineup. But his potential, and and the setback that this could represent if it goes to the worst case scenario, which now it doesn't quite look like. And I think you'll uh, you'll fill us in on that certainly. But it's you know if he had a season-ending surgery and he misses all that time, you know your heart really breaks for the kid because that not only takes him out of the line the Yankees lineup for the year, but it also sets back his development, which is going to be really yeah. important. Yeah. Well, what what's first panic about this small uh, tear in his labrum may turn may now turn to pleasure. Uh, knock on wood. Right. Right. Uh, this is from Coley Harvey of uh, ESPN. He's a uh, assignment reporter for SportsCenter. Uh, yesterday in Houston, he took 25 throws at 60 feet, throwing at regular effort. And, and Duhar himself said he felt, and I quote, better than expected. That's good. Which was a relief because I watched some of the tape. You couldn't see his, his motion very well because the video was taken from a distance. It looked like he was favoring his arm a little bit. Right. But, uh, I was assuming the worst. Now, next up for him, he's going to throw again tomorrow being Friday. He'll also do some batting cage work. If he can come out of this unscathed, Paul A.D., it's huge for the Yankees. I think it is. 30 home run power, great contact guy as a whole. And if he is out for the year, you got to figure he's gonna. the Yankees will use some combination of D.J. LeMahieu and Gio Urshela at third base before considering a trade. Because right. LeMahieu, he's made some good plays at third so far. He's a great contact hitter. Uh, I think he's still waiting for his first home run as a Yankee, but he's not, over, he's not an overt power hitter. Um, going through the rest of the injuries, you got Giancarlo Stanton. Eh. Bad timing, but better to put him on the shelf and have him and have him heal as soon as possible. He says he feels great. Uh, he's got to get some hitting drills in. He's already injury prone. Losing him for an extended period of time after he played all of last year on one leg, bad idea. I don't. I think I. I. Th- I don't think this one's critical, especially given the nature of the injury. I agree right. with you. I. T- I totally agree with you that just put him on the shelf and get him healthy. Yeah. Because you don't want half Stanton, you know, all summer if you can avoid it. I think I think it is enough. Stanton, Stanton leaving now is is enough to kind of keep the Yankees in those doldrums you're talking about. Yeah. You know the the ineffectual lineup. It's enough to take the air out of the middle of that lineup. 
and and that I think could help keep the Yanks scuffling and kind of until he comes until more of their pieces come back. Yeah. Meanwhile, just to run down the other injuries while we still have time sure. on, on this topic. Um, CC Sabathia, he's back. He's back on Saturday against the White Sox. I can't wait. Right. Once you get a leader back in the rotation, maybe that'll stabilize everything. Yeah. Help compensate for the loss of Sebi. Uh, Dylan Batantis should be back soon. Uh, get once you guys his velocity right. Uh, definitely could have used him in Houston with the bullpen slumping. Right. Last one's Aaron Hicks. Now this is also per Coley Harvey. He started doing some T work and soft toss drills. He's running on a treadmill, which is, are all good signs. In about a week, he'll probably be doing full activities on the field. Now, mind you, we're still looking at a May arrival time for him, but we have light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, and bad timing again because it comes right after an extension. Now, here's what I'm wor- here's what I'm wondering, and um, we'll spend maybe just about a minute on this. How much of his injury problems that he's had in his career have to do with his offseason routine? I mean, I mean, your guess is your guess is as good as mine. Your guess is as good as mine. But to the extent that he can control his offseason routine, I mean, one would think that he would. I guess you know, I'm kind of looking to the NFL to the you know to the example we see from certain players in the NFL. But one would think you would adjust your routine to try and minimize injuries during the year. Right now, if you look at Hicks's Instagram, he is an avid golfer. He goes to the gym a lot. He likes right. lifting a lot of weights. Um, I understand you want to take care of your body in, during your downtime, but maybe scale it back a little bit. Uh, may, like maybe uh, Cash and Boone say say to him, like, you know what? Like golfers have a lot of back problems. This right. is a back problem. Maybe they have to tell him, you know what? You really need to curb your golfing, or or focus on doing different exercises that maybe strengthen yeah. the muscles that you need to strengthen to try and avoid these sorts of back problems. Because Aaron Boone, after he had the walk off home run in two thousand three, it's not like the guy's got a disc, is what I'm saying. Right, you know, it's not that he has a disc, but you want you want to limit the activity to eliminate the possibility of a disc right. going forward. Right. I mean, back problem. You know, back problems in baseball can be can, and, be, persi- can be persistent. And Boone had a, Boone has firsthand experience of having dealt with this. Absolutely. Like 2003, hits the walk off home oh, run against that. the Red Sox. Yeah. 2004, like everyone's all set for him to be the third baseman, tears his ACL playing a pickup basketball game. Right. Voids his contract. Right. So you don't want unbelievable. You don't want Hicks going down that route. No. Anyway. Now, uh, Paulie D, I need you to emotionally prepare yourself because oh. now it is time. To talk about the Red Sox. Now, as I set the timer here, Paulie D, we're going to set an eight-minute timer here. Uh, how are the Red Sox doing so far? Not well. Uh, three and nine, right? Three and nine, they're playing just above replacement level. I think, I do think. Oh, oh, a, oh the collective war is just above replacement? Uh, no, not their, not, their, not their war, but their record is, okay. you know, it's, I mean, you're playing 333 ball. Replacement level is about 300 ball. Okay. You know what I mean? That's, and, that's, right. and that's what I mean by they're playing really just above replacement level ball. All right. Um, I think I do believe though that that given the given the spring training program that the starting pitchers went through and it really didn't impact the bullpen too much and it didn't seem to impact the lineup too much but you know I, I don't have the deepest insight as to that but I do think there was a plan to use the beginning of the season especially this first 11 game road trip this brutal brutal scheduling they have that to- that stood out to me too because it's it's rare to, it's rare to see a team, Open the season, especially an East Coast team, open on the West Coast. It's it's pretty for, brutal for that extent for that extended amount of time, and that's why I think there was a plan to use the beginning of that season or the beginning of this season to play themselves into shape. I think they're big into the analytics, and I think they may have doubled down this year. I think they crunched the numbers, and I re- I think they realized they don't we don't need to win 108 games to take the division. 
uh, in, or, or to even make the playoffs. I think they're, I think they're looking, I think they have an internal target for wins that they want to reach. I think they still might be on track for that, but they're fast going to get off track if they keep playing the way they're playing. But, you know, I mean, it's brutal scheduling. I, I, and I think, but I do think that they were content to play replacement level ball for that first 11 games and use those two weeks to play themselves and to play themselves into the, sh- into shape, especially as regards the starting pitching. Now, do I think, that they think they would have come out with more wins than they did. Yes, I do. Well, yeah, yeah I think they... you, you don't ever go on a West Coast trip to open, especially this early in the season, and have three wins be your goal. Right. No, I think I think they thought that they'd come out with more wins than they did, but they ran into a buzzsaw in Seattle. Uh, they made you know they made some they made some boneheaded plays in Oakland, and Oakland's not a Oakland's no slouch. And Arizona played pretty good ball. I mean, if you were watching them the beginning of the season. Um, I, I don't think uh, that they really played with any sort of intensity until those last two games in Arizona. I mean, they yeah. at times they look like they were sleep sleepwalking through some of these games. Some of the defensive lapses, some of the some of the base running errors. Well, also in Arizona, you're facing a longtime AL East fellow. Adam Jones is there now, right? Yeah, sorry, folks, I got to readjust these headphones because. Yeah, was exposing the new buzz cut. So. You know, hey, it looks great though, JB. Thanks, uh, but. The one thing, though, that I do want to say, because I've heard of, you know, I've heard the Twitterati kind of, I've seen the Twitterati kind of get on this. Please stop with the reason the Red Sox are scuffling because it's they don't have Sandy Leone as at their at the catcher spot. Please, please stop with that. Yeah. Please I mean, stop. Just, just, just I stop. Mean, for, the, for, for all we know, I mean, I'll have to look at this later. Sandy Leone may have had a great catcher's ERA, right, and a great frame rate, but I don't. He, he's definitely not the end all, be all. St- stop. Of, of the struggles right now. Leone, Swihart, and Vasquez split plate appearances last year, and quite frankly, if they're gonna go, if they're gonna try to push Swihart in any year, this year's the yeah. year. To, this year's the year you got to do it. Vasquez is too expensive, and quite frankly, he's not worth it right. for what he brings to the table. Both offensively and defensively, Swihart's got a potentially plus bat, and his defense isn't isn't terrible. And so, if I could see I could see why they're doing what they're doing, but I, I just don't think the reason they're scuffling right now is because of Sandy Leone. I mean, if you look at the starting pitching, average velocity is down across the starting rotation. Uh, saying the velocity is down is being generous, but okay. Is it is down across the starting rotation? And my point, my point is, is that it's down across the starting rotation and not just one or two guys, which suggests some sort of, you know, organizational approach here that they're trying to take, either with how they prepare them in the spring or what they're telling them to do in the regular season. Evaldi's is down a tick. Prices or prices was down a little bit until his last start. Erod's is down two miles two miles an hour. Sales is way down. Although it it, it was up in uh in yesterday's game or, or, Sale? A, or uh, two days ago against the, the Blue Jays. He yeah. looked a lot better. Right. Sale looked a lot better in his flat own. flat, but his velocity was there. Right. Um. You know. I, I, again, I think it's an approach that they're trying to take to start the season, and quite frankly, I think they may have planned their way into trouble. I think you know instead of instead of just kind of sign you know you know uh, uh, signing the lineup card and sending them out there, I think they may have outsmarted themselves a little bit and and dug themselves into a little bit of a hole. Can they get out of it? Of course, they've got a great team, but you know that's that's I mean that's that's kind of where we're at right I now. I mean, I'm going to stop you right there because look. You can throw every set of analytics and the kitchen sink at me, but it doesn't take away from this one truth. And Boston's playing very bad baseball. 
Like, what's really going on with the pitching staff besides the rotation-wide drop in velocity? Right. I don't think it's that they're trying to like kind of be conservative with the pitchers. It, maybe it's a World Series hangover. Maybe sh- maybe Sale's shoulder is still barking. Now, look, I'm never one to write off a team so early in the season, Volley and I'm going to give Boston the benefit of the doubt because when the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry has them as teams 1 and 1A in their division, it's good for baseball. Starting of the season on the West Coast, never easy. Right. I will grant you that. Brutal schedule. 1998 Yankees, they went out West, and they went 1-4, and four, called a team meeting, and then won 14 in the next 15. Right. Meanwhile, Boston, 3-9, and nine, minus 28 run differential. Yeah, they looked, they looked, They don't look great. You know, but, well, well, hold but, on. I'm going to throw one more number at you. Sorry to hit interrupt. Me, hit me. This is from Fox Sports MLB via Ken Rosenthal. At the Red Sox' current pace, if things do not change— they will finish 54 and 108 with a rotation ERA of nine. It's brutal. Now, but that's it, obviously not going to be the case, but right. like, how long does it take for a pitching staff? which won the World Series last year and is virtually unchanged. Pitchers need time to work themselves into shape. I think I think that's what we're seeing right now. They didn't get a lot of that time in the spring because they, I think the Sox tried to get a bit cute with it. I think that Sox tried to kind of, you know, plan a little bit, you know, try to plan a little bit and make sure people had something in the tank for October. Well, you're not going to need to have anything in the tank for October if you don't make the playoffs. Well, yeah, and and, and that's I mean from a fa- from a fan's perspective, that's a little bit of the frustration, but I think the I think the problem with the team is the lineups hit reasonably well. The bullpen's actually been fine. The bullpen has been a pleasant surprise early on. It's Although been... uh, Brian Johnson, uh, didn't he get sent off for, uh, with an elbow injury recently? He did, but that was after he gave up about seven runs in an inning. So, right. you know, it, it, it might have been pretty clear that he was having okay. having some troubles. But the point is, you have, you have a starting rotation, as you pointed out, with an ERA over eight. You can't win games. You're not going to win ball games when that happens. You're just not. They need to get into shape. They need to work them. They need to just play themselves into shape and and return to form. And that's really all a Sox fan can wait for well, at this point. Well, that said, I mean, here's a question I asked myself when I was putting together my notes for the show today. Because 2013, the Red Sox won the World Series, finished last the following year. Right? right. Do I think this Red Sox team will do the same? No. It's a long season. Plenty of time to bounce back. But at the same time. The bullpen's early excess, highly encouraging. And it's like we're living in Bizarro world right now. Right. Like this probably means at some point while we're broadcasting, Bizarro, Pauly D, and JB are going to kick open the door of the studio and eat both of our souls, wash it down with an IPA. I can't wait to do that personally. <laughs> uh, but one thing's certain Dombrowski has invested a lot of money in this pitching staff, continues to underachieve regardless of performance. The finger's going to be pointed at him. It's got to be. And at the same time, though, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cite Colin Coward here when he's talking about the Lakers. You and I, for all intents and purposes, have a radio show. We are, it is not our job to protect the Yankees and Red Sox. Right. It is not our job to give excuses for them. It is our job to be honest about it. Honest opinion, Paul E.D., do you think that the Red Sox can shake off this really bad start? 100%. I, I, I think they can. I actually think they would be able to play 300 ball all of April. And still make the playoffs. I think that I think the t- the talent level on this team is that good, and I think I I think even if they don't go 500 in April, they've still got a shot at it. It remains to be seen, however, whether or not this team has the has the kind of the mental makeup because every team is different, even if it's the same personnel. From right. year to year, every team is different because every mm-hmm. year is different. Every guy's in a different mental place than he was the year before. 
if they think, if the Red Sox think, if the players think that things are going to just come to them because they won last year, I think they're sorely mistaken. But the point is, you know, if the, if they wake up and they realize the, the level of talent that they have on this team, I think this I think this team can you know I think this team can play six fifty ball for an extended period. Of course, and I think they can and I think they can make a run. So, you. Can you afford a really rough April? Yes. Do you want to afford an April that stays this rough for much longer? No. I think they've got to get on it, and they got to start winning some ball games. And the same goes for the Yankees. Right. You just just win. Like, got to got to win some ball games, guys. On the whole, like they they've shown more. Like I said, they've shown more fight, but they got to be better. It's, it's it's and the Red Sox have to be better. It's it's not the it's not the NFL where some coaches can teach can treat September like it's extended <laughs> extended camp. You just can't do that in baseball. All right. Well, moving on. Uh, let's talk about this Yankees Astro series that just came up. Oh, brutal. Yeah. Um, I'm. You know, why don't you uh, kick us off with this? Because uh, you you had some interesting takes on this. I will. Um, you know, it, it, like I like I said earlier, this is one of those. This is one of those series is that I think, um, especially you know some of the younger players on the on the Yankees. You know, they want to make a statement. You want to say, you want to say, we've arrived. We're the team to be. And quite frankly, they, quite frankly, they just didn't really do it. Um, I think it's a possible playoff preview, and it would have been nice for the Yanks to take the series, but they didn't. So, you know, it oh. doesn't, it doesn't really matter ultimately. Yeah, because like, it's April. It, it's an, it's an early. This is a potential playoff preview, hands down. But right. you just said yourself, it's April. Am I, am I upset that the Yankees were swept by the Astros? Like. I, I'm more bummed than I am upset. Right, right. Just because you're, you're a little sad. I'm sad because game one. Now, now, mind you, I I wasn't able to watch game one, but I was tracking it on my phone. The Yankees did a great job of making Justin Verlander work. Yeah, like north of seventy pitches in four innings. Yeah, nobody does that to Verlander. No, but that's the approach. That's yes. the approach. Yeah, stick with the plan and things go well. They got to give him the Pedro treatment. Right. You know, like oh, Pedro Martinez was the most dominant pitcher of the nineties. Yankees went in went into Fenway and said. That's cute. We're going to make you walk a bunch of us and have you out by the sixth inning and then kill your bullpen. They started doing it in about 2001, 2002, and Pedro was never the same guy against the Yankees. He, you, he wasn't. You know, but the Yankees have bigger concerns because this season could be over by May if the injury bug doesn't stop biting. So who cares? If, from my standpoint, if I'm a Yankee fan, I say who cares about the Yankees and Astros? Sure, you wanted to win the series. You didn't. Oh, well. Turn the page. Win some ball games. Right, because game one, Tanaka, great game. I yeah. bullpen coughs it up. That's it. Yeah, and you know when it, it, but it happens. It it happens, especially with the first big test of a season like this. It happens. It just it's a thing that happens, and it happened to the Yankees. Game two, pitching staff holds it together. Chad Green coughs it up. Chad Green and, and that's and, it. Yeah, and Chad Green as a fastball slider pitcher. I mean, he's going to be very feast or famine, especially in a high leverage situation. Right. And uh, if, and if he's not locating that fastball well enough. Those Astros hitters are going to tee off on it. Well, the Astros are also a great fastball hitting team. Absolutely. So, I mean, like, it's what, and also not only that, I mean, I learned this watching watching them last year in, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in a Minute Maid Park. Um, first off, Jonathan Luizaga, I love the guy. He's too young a pitcher to be making uh, a road start at Minute Maid. Well, wait a minute, though. Who else you got? I would have done a bull, I would have put Sessa, I would have done a bullpen day. You would have just bullpen it, the yes. whole thing. Yeah, and like even though I'm even though I'm against the practice of bullpenning for 
for traditionalist reasons. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think Boone's back is a, but but please admit that Boone's back is a bit against the wall because of injuries. Yeah, absolutely. And the and the analytics guys have said to him the data says starting Lil Isaac is the best thing to do. And it's not like they started him in September in the thick of a playoff race. Correct. And I learned this watching the Astros last year. Minute Maid Park is a spot is a spot where to beat the Astros, you need to hit, get some offense in early. Or or your pitching needs to be spot on. Right. I like I remember the Yankees took three of four from the Astros there last year. One game. They kept it scoreless till the ninth inning. Gary Sanchez hits a bomb in the ninth to give him the lead and then the win. So the, the momentum's at their backs going into the bottom half of the ninth. The Astros have the win taken out of their sails. Right. Uh, another game. I think they, they went up against Dallas Keuchel and just uh, launched a hit parade on him because the end of the league said, hey, he doesn't have a lot of speed. Just wait on it, hit it to right. Wait right. on it, hit it to right. Giancarlo Stan, I think, had two home runs in that game. And that was a Severino throwing a shutout as well. But that's it. But that's a team-wide approach, and that's what you need to well, take it. That's what. That's really what you need to take into every game, I think. Right, but but like in, in what given what I just told you about Minute Maid Park earlier in the show. Sure. Like it's loud in there. There's the lingering smell of cigarette smoke. There's Texas weather. With a full lineup, the Yankees would have been able to establish that momentum. Right. But right here, like they had to grind it out. I mean, but look, this is August. This is the Yankees in August at Fenway. All over again. Yes, that's that's what I saw. I saw I saw an undermanned Yankees team going into Houston, and co- quite frankly, for two games at least, giving it the best that they could. And not only that, I mean, um, how did you watch any of last night's broadcast? I, I didn't. Okay, so last night Paxton's on the mound against Colin McHugh. Now, now Paxton, we know what he can do. He's got great career numbers against the Astros going into the game. Sure, I think he's got. I think he had maybe like a he had a sub three career ERA against them. I think, although I didn't see what he was doing at a Minute Maid. Um, but also, it, watching the game on TV, it was very windy in the park. Right. The roof's open. You could see like the wind whipping around down there. David Cohn, who's a great color guy for the Yes Network, he made the point saying, if you're on the mound and throwing into the wind, you're going to have a problem. Sure. Like, like, well, you don't know where it's going. Yeah, because now, now, mind you, uh, Paxton, he's a fastball guy, throws that about two-thirds of the time, right. but also throws a cutter and a knuckle curve. But everything's off the fastball. Right. and Yeah, exactly. Whereas Colin McHugh, he has a great slider. Now, he had 10 strikeouts because because of that wind. The slider's getting blown off the plate. Well, it looks, like it's, it looks like it's going one place, and then it ends up quite another. There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly the case. It's like a knuckleballer on a so, windy day. So yesterday's – so the fact that, the, that on a windy night in Houston – because of circumstances beyond their control. If that's what's going to make the Yankees look the worst in Houston, sure. besides a bullpen that's a little that's struggling a little bit, I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with getting swept, but I can understand the circumstances. I can accept that it was very much a circumstantial loss. And I and I think the that bu- is not reflective of the team. Right. And I but I think the bullpen struggles are also circumstantial. Because you know these guys in the bullpen, they're part of the team. They see all they see all the injuries. You know the ones that are healthy, the ones that are healthy, the ones that are still there. They see all the injuries. They know the team's undermanned, and they really look and they really want to bring a win home for the Yanks. And, yeah. it, and it leads, and quite frankly, it leads. I believe that it leads to guys pressing. I believe it leads to guys leads to guys overthrowing, maybe flattening, maybe flattening some of their pitches out, where yeah. otherwise there'd be more movement. And I think I think you're dealing with those sorts of things earlier in the season. Best to get them all out of the way now, get the jitters out now, so when it comes time, so when crunch time rolls around, they're ready. To, they're ready to take the you know to take the mantle at the All Star break. I think what the Yankees would be very wise to do is um, 
after the All-Star game, look at tape of this game, and then compare it to how the bullpen's looking at that point. Right. And then figure out what adjustments need to be made, if any. Right. And, you know, as as the season wears on and the Red Sox and the Yankees both both keep scuffling and and you know, as I, and as I continue to doubt um, the top of the top of our division, I, steamer projections projecting 93 wins, taking the ALEs, start looking better and better and better and better. Yeah, because like I, I'm not, you know, it's it it might it might not be in 99 games to win to win this season. It might be 92 yeah, or 93. The Rays are looking feisty as ever. Right, but you know, you know, everybody comes back down to earth, especially if you don't got the horses. So I mean. Yeah, I, they, I mean, because with the Rays, when, when you got Blake Snell and a bunch of role pitchers after it, the fact, although, although right. to be fair, Tyler Glasnow has looked better right. now that he's like, made some adjustments. But it could be just one of those, it just could be one of those years where the AL East is just a brawl and everyone's beating each other up. And, and you know, we 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 end the regular season look like looking like one of the worst teams in baseball. It's just because the division's so difficult. So basically every baseball season then. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... That's the beauty of the AL East, though. It, it is that dogfight. We, we live for that dogfight just because, and I think that's a big reason why we as Yankees and Red Sox fans get so annoyed by these losses early on. It's right. that we're used to being more competitive than that. Right. No, I'm used to I'm used to us being one of the you know the the number one or the two horse, and now now I find that we're the five horse. And it, well, geez, we got to get to the outside. And it's we like, getting, start it's like getting ready games. to watch Rocky two, but instead Rocky five is all that's on. Right. Exactly. It's brutal. <laughs> Yeah, I broke out a Rocky reference. If you read all my work, you'll know I make lots of pop culture references. Moving on. All right, Bully D, it is the uh, time for that part of the show, your personal favorite. Oh, very nice. It's Birdwatch. Oh, yeah. All right, Bully D, it is Birdwatch. Um, I will I will kick us off here. All right. Um, I agree with you because you, you said to me in your notes, the jury is still out. I, th- I do think it is. I think it, barely, barely. Of, but uh, but I think because I because I agree with what a lot a lot of what you said. But I think it's but I think the jury's still the out. jury's out. But a verdict is coming soon. Right. Th- oh, yeah. This isn't this isn't like the OJ trial where they're in the room for like what is like three four hours something like that. You can't keep both of these bums up for too long any- <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Void has proved. Uh, here's here's my take on it. And you can call me being in the tank for bird about this, which you are. Yeah, uh, well, admittedly I, though, you admit I am it. in the tank for Bird, you but like, I, but let me plead my case here. Luke Voigt, I, I've watched it. I saw this at a game I went to. I saw this on TV. Luke Voigt is a terrible defensive first base. Yeah, he's not good. Absolutely awful, and he's not doing much else at the plate either. He like right. he he can mash, but that's his problem. Right. Early in the year, he's going for that big hit time and time again. The versatility that we saw in September last year, gone. Right. Way of the dodo. Out of business. It's it's like the what was it the uh, the orange the orange Q train is out, or no no I'm sorry the uh yeah what, the V it? no the V the V yes the v. yeah yeah the it's v, done the V train is gone the way of the dodo it, it's it's as though that void is an avatar in MLB the show great game which I play regularly sponsor us please <laughs> and he's got an aggressive gamer manning the controls he's swinging at everything right I've come to expect nothing from him except a strikeout a home run or a lazy out in some manner right now going back to Bird. He's not doing much better. They're both hitting at or around 200 right now, although Voight's got more home runs and RBIs. Now, admittedly, I'm in the tank for Bird, but I'm wondering, maybe is he readjusting to major league pitching again because he's missed so much time? Sure. He like, like He's seen so little action in recent years, he has to get his timing back. Now, the good thing, despite his struggles, he's putting together more quality at-bats than Voight. Now, tell Jeremy Renner, he's fired. 
he's not going to be Hawkeye in the Avengers anymore. Greg Bird is. I've never seen someone with such a low batting average be so good at taking pitches, fouling them off, just putting together a strong at bat regardless of the result. No, he's an. I mean, he's an analytics. It's not that Bird's an analytics guy, but he's he's the pick. He's the pick of 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 a GM who yeah. who digs the analytics. That said. I wouldn't be shocked if, because Stan's supposed to be back in a few days, yeah, from the strained biceps. Sure. I wouldn't be shocked if Boyd is the guy who sent down in that case, because the more likely candidate, mind you, is Tyler Wade, the super utility guy who struggled at the plate again. Right. But unlike Voigt, Tyler Wade is a left-handed bat. He has legs. He can play multiple. He can play multiple positions. The Yankees have more use for him, I think. Then Voigt's Swiss cheese swing. Sure. Because it's full of holes. Nah. Uh, and yet you're the dad and I'm making the dad joke. You know, here, here's I mean, here's here's my here's my take on 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 Luke Voigt. And I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna address Luke Voigt directly here. Luke. Luke, listen to me. All you had to do to get to to get and keep the job this season was to bat like two eighty. It's all you had to do. You had one job, and you're batting a buck ninety three with three homers and ten RBIs, and you're, and you're, and you're obviously, I think, failing to benefit from the depleted Yankees lineup. I think Luke Voigt is a player who needs a little protection around him, right? Uh, and he just doesn't have that. And Greg Bird doesn't either, but Greg Bird isn't a defensive liability or isn't seen as one, right? Right. So, all right, Voight, all he has to do to take the job is bat 280. He doesn't do that fine. Look, Bird's batting a buck 92. He's not He's not any better at the plate, but Bird can kind of d- defense his way into playing time with the Yanks, and the reason why is because once that lineup comes back, you don't mm-hmm. need production out of first base. You don't need it. You have so much production elsewhere in the lineup, you don't need anything out of first base. You got, you know what you need at first base? A guy who could catch the ball. Some updated numbers. Voigt's batting average after last night's game is 196. Bird's up to 214. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, but the, po- the point is, it's, it's, it's neither, neither player is going to, unless, unless Voigt was significantly better than Bird, neither player at this point is going to win the job with the bat. Uh, you have to win the job by being the mo- the thing that the team needs now. And what the team needs now is, quite frankly, solid defense and good baseball. And Bird can give you that. Yeah, Bird made a great play in the field in Baltimore the other day. I think it was a bases loaded jam. The Yankees were still were still up by quite a bit, mind you. Right. But every time you have a big lead and you get the bases loaded, there's a little rally going. You know, there's right. always that lingering feeling. But good defense stops those rallies cold yeah. and sends you home with the W, hopefully. Yeah, whereas Voight, like, he cannot feel the bad hop to save his life. You don't need the production that Voigt, quite frankly, can bring potentially, but you don't need it out of first base, not with this lineup. You don't want an automatic out, but I don't think Bird, I don't think either Bird or Voigt are at their best right now. And I, you know, I think, I, I clearly think that both, both, if given the time, would improve. But you don't need all-world production out of that position in the lineup. Part also wonders if these guys are just kind of like in that Mark Teixeira mold of where they always get off to a slower start in April, but then they pick it up right around May. I mean, could be. 
Yeah, which is fine because because some guys they need some reps. They need reps, right? Or they or they yeah. need tension. They need a big spot because yeah. they, you know they you know some like, guys. Like Clint Frazier right now is a perfect example of right. like the Yankees sending the minors to get him some reps, but then because of the stand injury, he got called up to to get his reps, and he's playing great. I think he's hitting at or he's hitting well over three hundred right now. Sure, I and, mean, and he's had some long home runs on top of that. So. I mean, but the point is, like, if you look at the Yankees lineup from top to bottom, and once they're all back and healthy, and it will be mostly healthy, I think, by May, at least by mid-May. Yeah, yeah, because I, um, I, th- I think right now, I, I think um, you want to target May 1st for Hicks. Right. But maybe, like, let's say the t- between the 10th and the 15th is a little more um, realistic. I mean, so let's say mid-May, though, they should probably have everyone back, except for... Except for Seve. Yeah, and that's that's pretty that's pretty much it. But the lineup should be fully intact by then. Look, the lineup the lineup at least potentially and on paper is a great lineup. Yeah, you, you don't you don't again potentially and on paper need the need Voight esque Voight at his best production out of the first base position. You just don't need it. There's there's no I mean you're you're almost better off going with a guy who just plays solid defense and can maybe bat two fifty. At the same time though, like if, if that well you just said it yourself, if the batting is sub two fifty, there's a problem because right. because you don't ever want to have an automatic out in the lineup. No, I get it, you know, but I I mean both are scuffling at this point, so there's not a whole lot you can do. But ultimately, I I think they're gonna end up going with Bird. I think you're right. Uh, real fast, a little, and this is a bit of an impromptu addition to the show because um, this just popped in my head. Let's spend three minutes, Paulie D. Next week, our teams play each other for two games. I can't wait. Is it in London? No, that that's not till June. This that's, is a, this is a, no. Okay. This is a, in the Bronx. Yeah. Y- you know, I'm gonna say that this series means absolutely nothing, and we should not draw any conclusions from it whatsoever because I think we, I, I the way the Sox are playing right now, I unless they start wait wait, they, the, wait, wait the Sox are playing right now, aren't they? Right. Yeah. L- let's see how they're doing against against the Blue Jays. Oh, don't tell me. Uh, here I'm pulling it up. It's gonna be painful. Um, checking the score, checking the score. If this thing's ever gonna load. Oh, I got a spam call telling me that they were going to suspend my social security number. How nice! <laughs> All right, bottom of the second. Uh, there's no score in the in the Red Sox. Well, game. thank heavens, there's no <laughs> no score. Yeah, Evaldi's going tonight. You know, but it, yeah, it's uh the bottom of the second. Literally just kicked off. Dustin Pedroia is batting. Uh, yeah, both teams have one hit apiece. Well, that's that's just that's just fantastic. You know, Evaldi, Evaldi's uh, velocity even being down a tick g- gave me pause because if you look at his pitch FX, uh, you see that when he's successful, when he's on, everything's hard. Yeah. You know, everything's kind of topped. All the velocity is kind of topped out, and every you know the the mix doesn't seem to matter so much with him as the as the as the velocity and the kind of finish on the pitches. Which so. is why I think that um, when the Yankees do play the Red Sox, Opadroy just struck out. Uh, I, I do think that when the Yankees do play the Red Sox for these two games, I think that you're right, it is going to be largely meaningless. Right. Because they, they haven't played each other in April for a while. No, if they I recall haven't. Correctly. They, they've always kind of pushed it till May. Um, but I think that this is going to serve as a good litmus test for how well each team handles the, uh, being shorthanded or, or just playing subpar ball. And the big spot, too. You know, yeah. it's a, you know, you, you would hope that. 
at least from the Red Sox, at least if you're a, I mean, if you're a Sox or a Yankee fan, I think you would hope that this wakes the teams up a little bit, right? And kind of, and kind of, it kind of tells them in no uncertain terms what they're playing for and really who they're playing against. And you hope that you hope that both teams bring their best game, you know, best game to the ballpark at that time. But look, unless the Red Sox start rattling off some wins, I'm not, you know, I'm not all that optimistic that they're going to perform all that well in the Bronx. I mean, I think a lot of it also depends on weather factor because it could be a cold front could come through. Right. What, um, there could be a light rain going by. There's so much that could be a factor in this series that it's going to be fun to watch, but is it going to be an October preview? I don't necessarily think so. No, nor do I. I, I, I think we're probably going to end up looking at a split. Yeah. I, th- I think the Sox and the Yankees hit well enough where it could just turn into a couple of slugfests, and then there you have it. Unless Tanaka goes, I don't know. I don't know who's slated. For I'd it. have to. I think. He, I think at this point he'd be slated to pitch one of the games, but I'm not. I'm still yeah, not so he'd be matched. Sure. He'd be matched up against Sale. So we'll. You know, we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, with that siren, Polity, there's the buzzer. Uh, it is about that time. Ah oh, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have for today, folks. Oh, real, real quick, Polity. Uh, what podcasts are you into? I know you were telling me earlier. You know, I'm, uh, I'm into a couple. Um, let me. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a couple on the ESNY network that. I'm yeah, really into. yeah. We got some great podcasts uh, on our own. Uh, respect the chat. Oh, love that one! Is yeah. a is a is a is one that I'm into this week. Um, I'm cutting through some of their episodes. Um, what is it? Is it the Bleacher Creatures? Yeah, my peoples. Yeah, yeah I, I, I have season tickets in the Bleachers, folks. So I'm so I'm cutting so I'm cutting through their oeuvre and um, and I think the uh, I think Nick's State of Mind is is one. I'm yeah, taking Nick, a look Nick's at. are. Uh, I, I wrote an article today for uh, ESNY saying that's right. You did. Yeah, uh, Nick's have nowhere to go but up. And well, here's hoping. I mean, after 17 wins in a season, I mean, what more? How bad? How more bad can you get? No, but you, you can't get worse than that. But you know, I mean, but it's but it's always good to have hope, especially for the off season. That's why I figured I'd tune into the podcast next state of mind. Uh, but yeah, those are definitely three podcasts that I'm into this week, and I'm and I'm excited to listen to them. They're all really great. Yeah, definitely. I check those podcasts out on the ESNY app, and also all your uh, podcatchers. Uh, that Pauletti likes to use that word. But, yeah, we're out of time for today, folks. I want to give some special thanks to Elite Sports New York, the voice, the pulse of New York City sports. Make sure to check out EliteSportsNY.com to get the latest in New York sports, including all the columns from the brain of yours truly. Special thanks also to the QED and Astoria. Always a great time recording here. You can hit, hit me up on Twitter at JB'sRoll3286. Pauly D is uh, at Pauly D Sports. Yeah, and you are also got your blog, uh, AnotherSoxBlog.com. Some, Absolutely. Uh, some great reads there. Really enjoy that. Feel free to send us your questions and comments on anything we've discussed on the pod. Whatever else happens to come to mind, catch this and other episodes of You May Be Right Podcast on EliteSportsNY.com, iTunes, Google Play Music, wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, you must search You May Be Right Podcast. For Paul D., I'm JB, and you know what they say, Paul D. What's that, JB? You may be wrong, but for all I know, you may be right. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Elite Sports Radio. Stay elite. Some folks like to get away, take a holiday from the neighborhood. Hop a flight to Miami Beach or to Hollywood. But I'm taking a 